The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. It's always wonderful to be in Hastings. We uh, love this place. We love this town. It's our hometown. Uh, We grew up here. Uh, It's the first church that uh, we were involved in any kind of leadership. Uh, We got married in this church. We kind of began our ministry in this church. And whenever people ask us where we're from, we always say Hastings, because there's something very special, actually, about this church. And I think you need people from outside to come and remind you of that sometimes, because I think, you know... We kind of look down on ourselves sometimes, don't we, if we're from Hastings? We think, no, it's, you know, there's, there's other towns that have more prominence. There's other towns and cities around that have more glamour. Uh, but God's done something in this town. And I just want to highlight that. I want to remind you that God's done something in Hastings and that God wants to continue to do things in Hastings. Now, it's also true for Bex Hill. It's also true for St. Leonard's. We lived in St. Leonard's for many years. Uh, we had a privilege of helping out in Bex Hill Uh, for many years, but this whole 1066 country, I think Rye is quite significant as well, and Battle and uh, the towns around are very significant, but I just want to address you, particularly here today, as the Hastings congregation, because there are churches that are well known, and if we ever tell the story of New Frontiers, and the story of New Frontiers is often told in many settings, whether that's in book form, or whether that's verbally, like I'm doing today, this church so often gets mentioned. It's right there at the beginning of New Frontiers. We had the privilege of being part of it in the late 1970s. Uh, There was a few of you around, I think Tony and Judy, uh, Anne Bunt or Hutton, as uh, I know her. Uh, A few people, Hannah, yeah, you were kind of there, but you were very tiny, very, very tiny. Um, Not so quiet, but uh, tiny. So it's just, I mean, there was a few others as well, but it's just, it was wonderful to see what God did in those early days. But I think sometimes we forget it, and sometimes we forget what God's done. I want to just remind you of some of the key foundational things that I feel God has just stirred in my heart for you. And I was thinking of another New Testament church. I was thinking of, you know, there are churches in the Bible that are famous. The church in Ephesus is famous. The church in Jerusalem is famous. The church in Philippi is famous. Several of them have letters uh, addressed them. Some of the others, God does some wonderful things. But there's one church particularly that I just felt as I was out walking the other day, God just reminded me of for you as I was praying for Hastings specifically. And that's the church in Antioch. Now, you've probably heard messages on the church in Antioch. And if you've got a Bible, I want to just refer to you to a few verses. And then we're just going to draw out very simply this morning, because I know you always all want to see the football. Uh, We're all keen on our lionesses uh, doing so well. Uh, But we want to bring to you, I think, what God's saying. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to read a few verses from Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 13. Uh, Just to say, Antioch was a very strategic city in the first century. It was kind of like a crossroads town. I mean, Hastings is a bit like that. It's a kind of strategic town, a bit of a crossroads town. You know, people are passing through often on the A259, or maybe they're going up on the A21. It's kind of like a a strategic city. And Antioch was one of those strategic cities. And let's just read what it says in Acts chapter 11, and then Acts chapter 13. 
Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Sorry, verse 19. Sorry, Acts 11, verse 19. Sorry, thank you, Anne. Acts 11, verse 19 to 26. And Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Now, that's very important. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, another famous church. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch, kind of like to check it out. And when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now we know him as Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Isn't that interesting? Then flip over with me to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. These are the verses I particularly want to zone in on for you here at Hastings. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, or Paul as we know him, for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. Thank you. It's living. It's active. Lord, it's as sharp today as the day it was written. We ask you, Lord, for the same spirit. Thank you for that picture Tracy had of that many waters each one receiving the Spirit, radiating out the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, upon us. Lord, we want to be set free. Think of that picture of those helium balloons that are tied down but need to be freed. We ask you for freedom and liberty in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just want to bring out four very simple points and address them to you here in Hastings. The first one is this. It was a church of the nations. It was very, very diverse. And we get that from looking at its leadership team. You can always tell how diverse a church is by looking actually at its leaders, who gets released, who gets on stage, who gets to lead the people of God. But just look how diverse these people really are. And Hastings probably in the past hasn't been known for its diversity. Certainly not when I was growing up. I think there were, when I was growing up in uh, Gessling, Pet, uh, Gessling School, then I went to Rice School because we were in Rother, just on the edge there. I think there was one person of colour in my school, in primary school, and there was one person of colour in my secondary school. So it wasn't exactly the most diverse upbringing and background. But even as I look around here, God is doing something of multicultural Ism. He's doing something already, happening. When Hastings Church started, we were all white faces, 
all from similar backgrounds. Now look what God's doing. He's doing something. And I just want to highlight that for you. I think prophetically God is saying, I am doing something of a multicultural nature amongst you. And I'm doing something. Open your eyes to it. See it. Different backgrounds. Now that might be different colours of skin. That's probably the most obvious one. But also different ages. Wasn't it beautiful in the worship this morning? Just, I mean, you know, I'm not going to comment on how old some people were. But I am going to comment on how young some people were. Uh, wasn't it wonderful to see that? And it was beautiful for me to see different colours of skins just contributing. Different background, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education backgrounds. Now, just have a look at some of these people here. There was Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is a Jewish guy from the religious elite in Greece. He's a Levite from Cyprus. And he's like your white middle class kind of guy, although he wasn't white at all. Nobody was white, by the way. In, in the New Testament, no, there were no white people at all. They were all people of colour. Just important to say that. <laughs> but, you know, he, he was like, you know, the middle class guy. But then look who else was there. Simeon called... Now, this is not a politically correct nickname. His nickname is Niger, or I, I won't even say it how it's supposed to be said, but do you know what it means? It means black or blackie. He was probably, the theologians say, he was probably a black slave that had come to Jesus. Wasn't that wonderful? This was free people and enslaved people together. This was black and white together. Then there's Lucius of Cyrene, and Cyrene, if you look in your Bible, that's North Africa as well. So he was probably another black guy. It's interesting, isn't it? Out of the first three guys that get mentioned, you get a Greek and two black guys, right in the beginning of that church in Antioch. How important that is. Then you get Mannion. Mannion, it says, he was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. He wasn't middle class, he was kind of like your upper echelons. He was probably royalty. If he wasn't actually related to Herod, probably that's what that word means, he was brought up in the household, certainly he was of royal acceptance and royal culture. Just get a feeling of this. This is ex-slaves, or even current slaves, with royalty, with people from Greece. Then you've got Saul. Now, we know Saul. He was an intellectual. He's Paul. We know him from the writings of the New Testament. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He studied under Gamaliel. He was one of the brightest minds of his generation. And that's all together in the church. One great big melting pot together of glory. And I feel God wants to say to you here in Hastings, I want to do that. This is Jews loving Gentiles. This is Africans loving Europeans. This is religious loving the heathen. This is the rich loving the poor. This is old loving the young. The church, there's nowhere like the church to find this mix. I mean, you look around today. There'll be no other gathering across Hastings other than the church, that you get this kind of diversity. We get grannies and grandkids. You get black and white. You get those who are highly intelligent and those who have not really done a huge amount in terms of academia. And I would class myself in one of those. But we're together in Christ. This is the glory of the church. Now, this is what God, I believe, is saying to you here. I want to turn up the contrast on this. I'm going to turn up the colour on this. I'm going to turn up nations 
for you because actually this is a foretaste of eternity. This is a foretaste of heaven. This is what heaven is going to be like. This is what the original promise to Abraham was, that through you I'll bless every family on planet Earth, every clan, every people group, every tribe, language, tongue. And in the end, we get this wonderful picture in Revelation of all tribes, all tongues, all colours, all nations, all together worshipping the Lord. How beautiful and wonderful that is in eternity. We get to taste it in Hastings. We get to taste it here. This is the glorious grace of God at work. Maybe you feel, I'm a bit of an outsider here. Maybe you think your ethnicity. Maybe you think your sexual orientation. Maybe you think your background. Maybe what's happened to you. Maybe you think, oh, I'm a bit of an outsider. Listen, there's no outsiders here. We're all together as one in Christ. And actually, God wants more people like you. If you think, well, I'm the only one like me. Well, he wants more like you. And he's brought you here to be an open door to get more people like you into the church. Stop looking at other. If only it was like Paul. If only I was like. If only I was like. Uh, so, if only I was like them, then I could get people to come. No, God's made you to be you, to be a doorway into the church. Your colour, your ethnicity, your intelligence or lack of, <laughs> your orientation, your struggles. Well, that was a beautiful prayer that was prayed earlier about Jesus's taking our infirmities suffering, you listen carefully, it was just so beautiful, suffering for us, taking on persecution. This church was formed out of persecution. I don't mean this church. <laughs> I mean Antioch was formed out of persecution. And God uses things like that. God will use the things you've been through to open doors for other people, other asylum seeker refugees, other people who are struggling with sexuality, other people who are financially hitting just such a difficulty at the moment. You're not the only one. There's many like you. There's many in this city. There's many in Hastings, in this town, like you, that God wants you to be an open door. And he wants the church more and more to reflect that, more and more to be a beautiful picture of heaven on earth. And it says that Barnabas, it says when Barnabas came to check it out, it said he saw the evidence of the grace of God. This is my second point, really. This church was formed in the doctrines of grace, in the doctrines of acceptance, in the doctrines of love, in the doctrines of come as you are and be cleansed, be forgiven, be restored, find the grace of God and find your grace gift. This church was birthed in that. It was birthed in everyone has a gift. Everyone has a grace gift, the gifts of grace. It's interesting, actually, as Barnabas looks, he says, wow, there's evidence of the grace of God here. And I think that's what he sees. I think he sees all colours of skin. I think he sees all backgrounds. I think he sees Jews and Gentiles, religious and heathen, slaves and free, rich and poor, all together. He goes, wow, this is grace. Grace has come to us. We no longer judge one another on our appearance, on our clothes, on our colour of our skin, on our educational background, on our sexual preference. We're not judging one another on those things. We accept all. All may come and... This is a church founded in grace. And God says, come on, guys, keep going with grace. You don't exhort. Grace isn't something you put in the foundation and forget about. Grace is something, it's an air we breathe. It's who we are. We're accepting. We're receiving. But then also grace in the New Testament. It's not just 
I come by grace and get forgiven. I come and get accepted just as who I am. I'm a bit of an oddball. I get accepted amongst you. That's grace, you can think. Well, it's more than that. It's about finding your grace gifts. Everyone is gifted. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to contribute. Everyone gets a part to play. And there are grace gifts from the Spirit. There's dozens of them in the New Testament. It's not just those in 1 Corinthians 12. It's those in Romans 12. It's it's, it's gift after gift, gifts of administration, gifts of mercy, gifts of giving, gifts of celibacy. I mean, there's some really weird gifts in the New Testament. There's just gifts. And there's tongues and prophecy and healing and all those stuff as well. But everyone gets to play. Everyone has a part to play. This is a church founded in grace. And God says to you, you matter. Your gift matters. Find your gift. And actually, I think Barnabas says, yeah, this is wonderful. There's grace here. Look at this. This is founded in grace. He goes, yeah, but there's a bit missing as well. We need Paul. I know a guy. He's a bit rough at the edges spiritually. He's only just got saved. He used to kill people. But don't worry about it. He's a bit of a reformed character. He's done the right courses now. He's been in the desert a bit. God's softened him up. I think you'll like him. I'm going to introduce you to him. And suddenly, Paul, or Saul, as he's called here, finds his grace gift in the local church. Before that, he's been out. Before that, he's been in the desert. Listen, there is grace gifts to be found. And I think God wants to say to you, I want to bring in some more grace gifts to you as well. The church had teachers and prophets, but it didn't have apostles at this stage. So God brings in an apostle, brings in Paul. There's some more grace gifts that God wants to add to you here in Hastings. Because the danger is you can think we've got it all. It's the opposite of the, you know, look down on ourselves. We look up to ourselves and think, oh, we're wonderful, we've got it all. No, we haven't got it all. We've got something of grace, which we want to use, but actually God wants to add to us. And he adds the unlikely Paul now, you think, well, who wouldn't want Paul in their church? Well, actually, quite a lot of the early church wouldn't want Paul in their church. There was a lot of suspicion about Paul. We're very nervous about this guy who used to kill Christians, and now you want him on the Alpha course. I'm really not sure about it. You know, don't you know what he used to do? Yeah, we do, but there's grace at work, and he's got a grace gift, and God wants to bring in some pretty unlikely characters to you. Just be aware of that. Maybe pretty unformed in their character, but they're going to get formed amongst you because there's grace here. This is a grace church. It's founded on grace, and God wants to keep speaking to you about grace. That's my second point. My first point was a church made of the nation. Secondly, it's a church of grace. Thirdly, it's a church shaped by the Holy Spirit. It's a church shaped by the Holy Spirit. Just notice what happens. It says, as they were praying and worshipping and fasting, as they were doing business with God, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate out Paul and Barnabas for me. I'm going to send them on a journey. I've just arrived. I've been here a year, yeah, but they're going to be sent out now. But notice what happened. Notice it was the Holy Spirit who said. Now, Luke, who's writing Acts, it's Luke's second book, first book is called Luke, his second book is Acts. He's the most careful New Testament writer when it comes to people and details and places. He's the most detailed of all of them. 
probably because he's a physician, a doctor. He kind of notices details. He gives places. He gives names. He's just given us all these names. He's just given us Manian and uh, Lucius and Simeon. And so he's just given us very, he, not just names, where they're from as well, their background. Now, some people think Acts, because of where Acts ends in terms of Paul's imprisonment, some people think Acts is almost like Luke gathering together Paul's defence documents for him. So being very, very careful of how this man was called of God. Don't you think Luke would have noticed who spoke? Don't you think Paul would have said, or Luke would have said, it was Paul who prophesied, or it was, it was Mannion who prophesied? No, he just says the Holy Spirit said. Okay, why am I even mentioning that? I'll tell you why. Because when we get together like this, the Holy Spirit says. And the Holy Spirit might speak through someone like Tracy. Or someone like Helen. Or someone like you. Because we have this idea in our culture, and especially in our Christian pyramid platform culture, that actually God is actually dismantling at the moment, if you hadn't noticed. We have this idea that it's leaders who lead. Those at the front. No, actually, what we do is give space in a safe, organised, healthy atmosphere for you to hear God and for you to bring your gift. That means we need you to hear God. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And the danger is we put our leaders on pedestals and platforms and sometimes that's our fault, not their fault. It's their fault they step on it. It's our fault we put them on it. And sometimes we go, oh, speak to bring the word of the Lord to us, please. Speak to us, please. No, my sheep hear my voice. The Holy Spirit said, I want to encourage you. I think there's going to be breakouts happening in Hastings and in the environs of 1066 country and actually the nation and the nations. They're going to still come out of Hastings. We can look back and say, you know, oh, what great came out of, oh, this came out of, Eastbourne came out of Hastings. Oh, Jeremy was there, Simon Allison Wong there, so Steve Brading there, and this, David Lyons there, and Dave John there, and all these names from the past. They did this, they went there, they did that. And we look back and say, well, it's one. No, there's more things going to happen from Hastings. There's more sendings. There's more spirit-filled anointings that are going to happen. How is it going to happen? Well, because Paul's going to tell us all, the other elders are going to, no, actually, the Holy Spirit's going to say, now, the Holy Spirit could even speak through Paul. I mean, you know, it could happen because he's part of the body as well. You don't disqualify yourself because you're a leader, but neither do you put yourself up on a platform. You say, no, the Spirit's saying, I just want to encourage you, keep hearing from God. Keep reading his word. Keep loving him. Keep worship. Keep fellowship with him. Keep listening to him. And you'll hear him speak. And our leaders will provide a safe context a godly context for you to come and bring that. It might be a Sunday morning like we heard this morning. It might be a prayer meeting. It might be a small group gathering. But some setting where you hear from God. I would say most of the major things that we've done in our churches and our movements haven't come from our platform, but they've come from people hearing God. And our church in Teesside... Northeast England, we were most known, I mean, John, John and Alex Wales will back this up, but we were most known probably for our work amongst asylum seeker refugees with our Open Door project, housing hundreds of asylum seeker refugees. We had about 100 in the church. 
we housed a lot more. I think it was about 20 or 30 houses in terms of housing it that we were involved with, buying or setting up or whatever. That word didn't come from any of the so-called leaders of the church. It came from a, a lady in the church who just heard God and said, I feel there should be some more black faces in this church, which is kind of like a thing. As you look around, there's none, none. So I feel there should be some more black faces in this church and I feel that God wants to give us some asylum seeker refugees. And that was then the days back in the 90s, early 2000s, where asylum seeker refugees were like, oh my goodness, who wants them in your church? Actually, we do, because we want the nations. And we got known for that through this lady. When we were in Manchester, we got known for probably having the biggest food bank in the area. We literally had the biggest, I mean, we didn't get on national TV like Natalie. Although, to be fair, Natalie's mum is now more famous than Natalie. Uh, yeah, we were sitting there watching the one show and uh, it's Natalie's mum walking along the seafront talking about something. I can't remember. It was, uh, what, it was the come crisis that was going on and Natalie's mum had an opinion, as if you know Natalie's mum, she would. And you think, I said to Natalie, it's all very well, but your mum's got on TV before you. Hi, Natalie's mum. How are you? Good to see you, Elaine. Uh, you, you, you're loved. You're special. We need you here, you're part of this. We love your daughter and loved being at school with you and was in the same class as Natalie's mum. How about that in Hastings? It was, it was so weird, isn't it? How things come around. How on earth did I get onto that? Oh yeah, Manchester got known about being the biggest food bank in the area out of our church. And uh, again, that was started by a, one of our little small groups just started that. The leaders didn't start it. One of our little house groups started that now because I then went Coronation Street. Probably not heard of that one. You're East Ender people, I guess. But when Coronation Street, our local soap, wanted to do a story on Food Bank, because they're trying to be cultural and relevant, they come to our Food Bank to film. You think, oh, okay, that's interesting. It didn't come from the leaders, the Holy Spirit said. One of our little small groups. What is the Spirit saying to you? God is saying some stuff to you. Now, leaders, again, we bring safety, we weigh it, we bring some governance to it. It's not just every man does what's right in their own eyes. No, there's leadership matters in all this. But the Holy Spirit said. My last point. So we've talked about it's a church made of the nations. It's a church of grace. It's a church shaped by the Spirit. My last point, this. It's a church sending to the nations or going to the nations. Notice they sent out from this church, Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas. It became one of the first missionary, great missionary journeys. They did another two, three great missionary journeys of the early church. Acts is all about that. But where did it come out? It came out of that church. And I believe God wants to say to you, there's some mighty missionary journeys to come out of this church. Now, the ends of the earth, so that's what happens. The Spirit comes on them. Shaped by the Spirit, many waters, Tracy. All that, you know, when you describe that water coming down, you said each, it reflects each one, the, the, your actual words. It reflects each one. Each one's receiving the Spirit. Each one's reflecting this water. But water's moving. Water's going somewhere. Water's not static in that picture. And water isn't static when you talk about springs of living water. It goes somewhere. Rivers are going somewhere. They're not static. And that beautiful picture that Helen brought about the balloons, the helium balloons that are tied down, that need to be set free. They need to soar on wings like eagles. There's some missionary movements that need to be stirred from this church. 
We're to stop looking back about what's happened in the past and we're starting to get excited about what God wants to do in the future in terms of missionary movements from this church. Now, let me explain what I mean by missionary movement because obviously Paul's was literally a classic missionary movement. And by the way, the word missionary is just the same word for apostolic. So in Greek, the Greek word is apostolos, sent with authority, apostles. So we get that word from. When they translated the New Testament into Latin, they couldn't find a local word for that. So they hijacked another word called missio, which meant to be sent with authority. And we get the word mission from that. So when we talk about mission, it's to be an apostolic sending church. And we tend to think, oh, great, where are we going to send Paul to? Let's send Natalie somewhere soon. You know, that would be good. We'll send them, we'll send them to do some stuff. That's fine. Now, actually, the New Testament revelation is this. We all get to play. All God's people get to be missionaries. All God's people get to go with authority, with the good news of the Lord Jesus. And I want to end this message by just saying to you, you are part of this. You're not a congregant, a member of the congregation. You are a vital living part of the body of Christ in this church. And you are going somewhere. So let's have a think with me. It's now wrapping up time, quarter past uh, 11. Uh, Paul said, be finished by 20 past, I will. Quarter past 11, we're wrapping this up. Think about it. Where will you be quarter past 11 tomorrow? Because actually, that's what God's more interested in, where you'll be quarter past 11 tomorrow than he probably is where you are quarter past 11 today. Because that's where you're a missionary. That's where you're carrying the good news. You're carrying the authority of Jesus. That's the community that he wants you to break into. In that workplace, in that environment, in that neighbourhood, amongst those people, those people group, those shops, those places where you go, where we don't go, but you go, that's where you're to be the light of the world. That's where you're to carry the good news of Jesus because you too get to be a missionary. You too get to be a carrier of authority, a carrier of the good news of Jesus. And that's what this church is all about. It's not just about having a great gathering point, it's having a great scattering point. Because it's all about the number of people we send into community, into life. So just to summarise, Hastings, you're a church of the nations. And by the way, just shout out for me, different nations. Let's start from over here. If you were not born in the UK, we'll give you Scotland and Wales, if you like, even Northern Ireland. But, you know, we'll give you that. But, you know, shout out if you were not born in the UK really loudly. Or you, or you class it as another heritage. Come on, quickly. Romania. Romania. Anyone else? South Africa. Whoa, yay. 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 Whoa. Yay. Whoa. Yay. Yay, just come back from there last week, two weeks ago. Anywhere else? Kenya? Is it another Zim? Yay. Yay. It's brilliant. Yay, yay. To be sure. I should, I should dispense with the stereo, cultural stereotypes. It's my English stiff upper lips again. 
Brilliant. We're already a church of the nations. We're already a church of the nations. Secondly, we're a church of the grace of God. You came by grace. You were saved by grace. But God gives you grace gifts to be part of this church, and you need to function in that. The third thing is we're a church of the Spirit. We heard from the Spirit this morning, and God wants to speak to you much more about the Spirit in the coming weeks, and much more about the filling of the Spirit, and much more about hearing of God. And lastly, you are a missional church. You're a church of missionaries. You're a church of people sent by the risen Lord Jesus to go into the world. Some of you will go to the nations, and some of you will just go to the end of your street. I always say the Holy Spirit sent them to the ends of the earth and the ends of their streets and the end of your desk and the end of your comfort zone. <laughs> Tomorrow, at 20 past 11, you are going to be a missionary. You're going to be an ambassador. You're going to represent Jesus. And you won't have Paul with you or Natalie with you, but guess what? You'll have the Holy Spirit with you and the authority to shine for Christ and to talk about Jesus. So I just want to pray as we finish, one minute left, as we finish, if, if you kind of feel, yeah, that's me, I, I kind of feel God, I need to hear God more. Yes, I need to be part of this church more in terms of being part of a flourishing community, but I need to be sent more. I need to know that I'm a missionary and that I'm, wherever I go tomorrow, I'm going to be sent. As, even as I'm praying, why don't you just start to stand? There's lots of us, lots of us will be standing. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we are a missionary church. This is a church founded in the grace of God, a church full of the Holy Spirit, full of beautiful cultural diversity. And Lord, most of all, I pray that we're a church that invades Hastings. Hastings is known for its invasions in the past, but I believe, Lord, that we're called to invade our schools, our hospitals, our factories, our places of work, our, our boardrooms, our classrooms, our, our coffee shops, our bars. Wherever we go, we're called to bring the good news of Jesus in. So we ask you, Lord, wherever we are, 20 past 11 tomorrow, send us as missionaries with the good news of Jesus. Thank you that you sent Paul and Barnabas, but that was 2,000 years ago. Thank you, same Holy Spirit, you send modern day Pauls and Barnabases and Paulers <laughs> into workplaces, into Hastings, into 1066 country. We thank you for the grace of God that has called us and the grace that sends us in the name of Jesus. Amen.